1: Hello and welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. Except we finished the Bible, so now we're talking about stories that seem like they should be in the Bible but simply aren't. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's get biblical. But before we do, there are some ground rules we have to cover.
2: Just wanted to make sure that nobody is listening to this podcast thinking that it's a Christian Bible Study Podcast. Nor is it appropriate
1: sorely disappointed. for children.
2: I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I'm now an atheist.
1: And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew.
2: And uh, what is our topic for today? Our our non-Bible but kind of Bible topic for today?
1: Today we're talking about those glorious man-birds of heaven, the angels. The,
2: and that's exactly how everyone thinks of them, as we know, the glorious man-birds of heaven, The angels.
1: beautiful smooth ones.
2: Uh, Nico, what percentage of Americans believe in angels, do you think?
1: Oh, Lauren, I have to think it's something like 80 plus percent.
2: Well, it seems like you were looking at the Gallup poll from 2011. (laughs) Because the more recent Gallup poll in 2016 uh, actually places it at 72 percent. Okay. Still shockingly high to me. uh, Because when I was a christian. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe in When I was
1: a christian. No 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 no
2: no. I think you just like sorely misrepresented fiddler on the roof. <laughs> but uh I didn't believe in literal angels or at least not like the kind that interacted with humans. Mm-hmm. Um you know like I I was open to the idea that whatever like Gabriel existed and announced to Mary that she was pregnant. Sure. But uh that wasn't something that was talked about in my church. We didn't talk about angels. I didn't think about them often. Um, but apparently they're a big deal for a lot of people. And, like, this is the, the least important they've been. 72% is, like, the low point of angel belief in, mm. like, all of, um you know, like the history of Western civilization. So mm-hmm. it's worth talking about. Also Middle Eastern history because... Islam also has angels, and one of the six articles of faith in Islam is belief in angels. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about that because we just don't know anything. We, we're less uh, well-educated on that topic.
1: But before we get into, like, the mythology of angels and how they developed and stuff, I think a good jumping-off point might be how angels are actually presented in the Bible. Yes. Yeah, so right? there
2: are plenty of angels in the Bible. Um Often in very different contexts, and mm-hmm. we don't get, like, a clear unified theory of angels. So there's, you Which know... Which is both a blessing and a curse <laughs>
1: to the generations that Yeah, followed. that
2: followed. Uh, we've got, like, the three angels who visit Abraham, uh, and one announces to Sarah that she will, you know, get pregnant with Isaac. We've got... The angel that wrestles with Jacob, the angels that go up and down Jacob's ladder. um,
1: The uh, two that visit uh, Sodom and Gomorrah.
2: Of course. Can't forget those. Um, Of course, we've got angels guiding people through a few prophetic visions here and there. Um, In the New Testament, of course, Gabriel announces to Mary that she's pregnant. And uh, we've got several weird-ass angels in the book of Revelation. They usually appear in human form. And often the people they're talking to don't realize they're angels until they like blast off to heaven or whatever. Right.
1: It's weird that we even think of them of all those instances as angels, though, don't you think? Because in the Bible, there's nothing that really unifies all of those all of those things. Like the the fact that all of we categorize all those things as angels came later. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that in the original text, which of course is an ancient document that. It's a Span- library,
2: not a text. Thank you. Yeah.
1: That's smart. Put that on a tote.
2: I got that from someone else.
1: <laughs> Probably got it from a tote.
2: <laughs> um, the Hebrew word we translate as angels is malachim, which literally just means messengers. Mm-hmm. And it's used for human messengers as well. In fact, the prophet Malachi, that's like malachi, that means my messenger. Um, and then that was translated into Greek as Angelos, which means messenger Mm -hmm. in Greek, and then angels in English. Weird etymology there. Didn't know that the like the word angel came from messenger. Right. They can also, you know, they protect people. They can. They protect, but they also attack. They also attack. Um, Some just exist to serve or praise God. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, there's also archangels, but we're going to cover those in a separate episode.
1: That's right. There's so much angel chatter. We got to split it
2: up. And of course, there's the fuck angels, but right. we've already covered those <laughs> extensively on this show. Uh, what does it say about us that we're like, oh, yeah, angels. We haven't talked about those yet. Well, except for the fuck angels, of course. <laughs> we've talked about those in like 10 episodes.
1: They're called the Watchers, my dear.
2: Um, If you want to learn more, uh, our episode on the book of Enoch would be the place to start. And
1: many of the other ones where we reference it.
2: So we see a lot of different roles for angels in the Bible, um, but they're not explained in a clear system. Right. Uh, various people, after the Bible was written, have tried to come up with hierarchies for the angels because, I guess, uh, when you have a certain worldview, you just uh, categorize everything with that if you're used to hierarchies. You I know? think if you
1: keep reading the same book over and over and over again, you're going to start to create super systems that explain the ambiguous parts.
2: So the most famous... Jewish hierarchy of angels is from Maimonides. Mm. Uh, A.K.A. And,
1: Rambam. A.K.A.
2: the Rambam. And he ranks them in 10 ranks, which go from least to greatest. Ishim, Cherubim, Bnei Elohim, Elohim, Malachim, Seraphim, Chashmalim, Erelim, Ophanim, and Holy Chayot.
1: Wow. But it's weird because like, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, only a couple of those are actually even mentioned.
2: Yes. Uh, it's like, where did you get all of this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
1: His text is very well laid out, though, if you really want to dig into it.
2: And actually, if you dig into it, he talks about how angels are basically a metaphor and mm-hmm. don't like probably don't like literally exist. So but, you know, we got to rank them anyway.
1: His opinion on it is is great. He says, all forces are angels! Exclamation point. The rare... Rabbi who's out there throwing around exclamation points. Wow. How blind, how permissively blind are the naive? If you told someone who purports to be a sage of Israel that the deity sends an angel who enters a woman's womb and there forms an embryo, he would think this a miracle and accept it as a mark of the majesty and power of the deity, despite the fact that he believes an angel to be a body of fire one third the size of the entire world. All this, he thinks, is possible for God. But if you tell him that God placed in the sperm the power of forming and demarcating these organs, that this is the angel or that all forms are produced by the active intellect, capitalized, that here is the angel, the vice-regent of the world constantly mentioned by the sages, he will recoil.
2: Yes, he will recoil. So thank you, Maimonides, for telling us that sperm are angels. The most famous Christian hierarchy is from uh, a writer... Uh, from around 500 AD, who went by the name Dionysius,
1: mm-hmm. in an effort to trick the people of history.
2: Yes, in an effort to uh, trick people into thinking he was the Dionysius who's mentioned as a, a convert of Paul in the Book of Acts.
1: Original scammer legend,
2: and he has nine ranks of angels because it's it's three ranks of three, so it's like a trinity of trinities. Mm-hmm um and so those the first one is angels archangels principalities the second one is authorities powers dominions and the highest is thrones cherubim and seraphim and that's even less biblically based there's no like there's no angels ranked as authorities or powers in the bible principalities yeah. no
1: but although and here's where we're going to get into a little bit of you know contrast, and compare. Whoa. Which are two of my favorite things to do.
2: Classic essay format. Learned it in seventh grade. Never forgot it.
1: You got Dionysius's form, which only has nine ranks. Obviously, Rambam beats him by one. Mm-hmm. Point, so. to, point to Rambam yeah. there. However, in the Bible, Seraphim and Cherubim are mentioned. And they are spoken of, like, I think in Ezekiel's vision, mm-hmm. as being very close, like, bodily to God.
2: Well, so so are Ophanim.
1: So, for, so are Ophanim. So dionysius has those those boys up at the top of the list Mm -hmm. but rambam splits them up
2: yeah and puts like one right near the bottom
1: right near the bottom yeah although it's more complicated because i think rambam breaks them down about like which like layer of existence they're sort of in charge of
2: yeah um this is the thing that you find uh throughout many traditions i i read this book called uh, from gabriel to lucifer by valerie Rees. it's a cultural history of angels and spoiler alert throughout many different traditions jewish christian and muslim angels are seen as emanations
1: <laughs> look we love emanations you love emanations we can't stop talking so about the them thing here.
2: with emanations is like you know god thinks something mm-hmm. and then because he's God, that like emanates from him as a force or a, something, a intellectual principle. It might or, be it might
1: be perceptible to a person, but it might not.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, those emanations then create more emanations and, and it goes all the way down. If and, they're powerful. So, yeah. And so it creates kind of a hierarchy of like thought and or consciousness and that a like makes the universe work right and b uh connects us to god because we are like at the the the, we're the lowliest beings but we can interact with like the lowest form of angels Mm -hmm. and then they can interact with one level higher and so on and so on so we do have a direct connection to god through this hierarchy it's just mediated through angels um so that's like when when Maimonides is saying oh the active intellect mm-hmm. he's he's talking about like oh this this creator consciousness that emanates mm-hmm. other other things
1: it's an interesting like thinking of existence uh, as a as an extension of a reasoning mind and using that as a mm-hmm. metaphor it's very interesting but a little heady I might yeah. say yeah also, For me personally I mean as a smooth brain low tier. Existence. Right. Yeah.
2: If we were a couple, a couple ranks higher, if we were like mid ranking angels, we'd find it absolutely fascinating. So I thought we should go over um, a couple of the most famous angel ranks. I'd love it. I mean, we've all heard of seraphim and cherubim.
1: Right. I mean, everybody's heard of cherubs. Have have people heard a lot of chatter about seraphim on the street are they big still
2: uh i think so i mean they were mentioned in that one spin doctor song in like yeah, 1993
1: I, I knew you were gonna say something <laughs> about the 90s i knew that you couldn't you couldn't do it um i hold that as a, as a as a point of relevance did like, you oh they were big in the 90s
2: like did you not have, have you not heard of seraphim so not a big
1: thing for you? I don't know. Not really. Really? I mean, not specifically, except insofar as you could catch him and train him in the Shin Megami Tensei series. Okay.
2: Okay. Um,
1: which, by the way, used Dionysius' breakdown of the angels, not rambams.
2: Wow. Very anti-Semitic. Uh, seraphim. The Hebrew word is the same. It's saraphim. Plural is, it's the plural of the singular saraph, which means burn. So they're kind of mm. fiery- Perhaps lightning beings. Um, also perplexingly, it's the same word as serpent. Not the serpent. It's not the word that's used for the serpent in the Garden of Eden, which is Nahash, mm-hmm. but it's it's used for serpent elsewhere. So I
1: loved have... finding this out. This idea that in the in the visions of of God, what we think of as angels were actually like winged serpents, aka could be, aka dragons. God Burning,
2: is, yeah, like fire serpents. God like,
1: is hanging out in heaven with freaking dragons. I mean, why not? Who would you hang out with if you were God? No, I mean, it'd be cool. It just, it ups his cool profile a little bit.
2: Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad. This should be a talking point then for some of these, uh, these Jesus pizza parties.
1: <laughs> That's right. And dragons are very much in the air nowadays. Winter is coming, et cetera, et cetera. But did you know God also has at least three dragons?
2: Whoa. Mother, father of dragons. That's right.
1: Khaleesi. Mm -hmm. Khaleeso.
2: (laughs) Khaleeso. Uh, Seraphim do appear in the Bible, but only in two books, Isaiah in the Old Testament and Revelation in the New Testament, which is just like...
1: Ripping them off. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, In Isaiah, they're described as having six wings, uh, two to fly. Two to cover their face, to kind of shield themselves from the might of God.
1: Right. Necessary.
2: And then two to cover their quote-unquote feet. And as we know, that is a euphemism in the Old Testament for...
1: Double dragon dongs, baby. Okay.
2: I was going to go with um, uh, uh, private areas. <laughs> but you're right. It's double dragon wow, dongs. your way is
1: so much more entertaining.
2: <laughs> so their job in Isaiah is just to... Fly around God all day and repeat, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Also, I think the ones in Isaiah are not serpents. Because we know one takes a burning coal from the altar before God and and burns Isaiah's mouth with it. And that purifies Isaiah so that he's able to speak in the presence of God. Um You can kind of presume that he has a hand with which to grab the coal, although, you know, whatever. He also has six wings covering his dick, so, like, maybe he doesn't have a hand. But do snakes have dicks?
1: Do snakes have, quote-unquote, feet? Well, these are angels, so I was wrong to to say that they had double dragon dongs at all.
2: (laughs) Thank you for admitting that we should have gone with, um, censorious locales.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to go that far. This isn't actual Sunday school. (laughs)
2: something i didn't know uh is that this chant holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory is actually incorporated into like the main liturgical prayers in both judaism and catholicism hmm. and i just got through my whole protestant childhood not even knowing that in fact the version i was familiar with is the one from revelation which is slightly different it's mm-hmm. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. That's I didn't even know that in Catholic churches when you take communion, you do like sanctus, sanctus, sanctus.
1: I didn't know. You're looking at me. I, I have no clue.
2: Why were you holding this back from me?
1: Uh, I didn't want you to increase your power <laughs> through the use of magical spells.
2: Now, when you think of seraphim, mm-hmm. you also Which I do often, think of cherubim. For yeah. You all think of cherubim. Uh, were they in any 90s songs? Mm, perhaps uh, Cherub Rock? I don't know. The Hebrew word is Keruvim, plural of keruv. Uh, etymology of the word is unclear.
1: Mm. Don't people think it might be from the Akkadian word?
2: Well, people think a lot of things.
1: <laughs> you got me there, Beepo.
2: Um, They show up several times in the Bible, more often than seraphim. Uh, first, when they, they guard the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve are kicked out, uh, there's the, of course, the flaming sword that rotates by itself, mm-hmm. as well as to cherubim. Um, But the main place they're mentioned in the Bible is as decoration on the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And the Ark of the Covenant, as we mentioned last episode, is the fancy, fancy box that holds the Ten Commandments. And... It first is carried in the tabernacle and then it's put in the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, the temple in Jerusalem also has giant cherubim carved into it
1: um, in the like inner sanctum. Standing guard over the inner sanctum, much in the same way that they do over the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Yes. If I c- may. you
2: And you know what? I'm going to allow it. <laughs> What's weird is that the Bible never really specifies what they look like, even though it gives instructions to carve cherubim into the top of the ark yeah. and then onto the temple walls. Um, it says they have wings mm-hmm. and it says they're facing each other. So we can assume they have wings and faces, but it doesn't say anything more specific than that, which would seem to indicate that whoever wrote these instructions took for granted that everyone reading them would just know what a cherub looks like. Right. However, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a very crazy psychedelic vision of God. Uh, you can listen to our episode on the book of Ezekiel for more details. Or consult your local Bible. <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of cherubim in Ezekiel's vision. First, he calls them living creatures. Mm-hmm. Which, in Hebrew, it's chayot, which is the highest level of Maimonides' hierarchy. Confusing. Confusing. Um, But then later in the vision, he realizes that they're cherubim, which is the second lowest in Maimonides' hierarchy. So, I don't know. This is a both-and blog. Uh, Ezekiel describes them as having four faces, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of arrayed around their head. uh, Human, lion, eagle, and ox. They have four wings, two for flying and two for covering their bodies. They have human hands under the wings. Mm -hmm. They have straight legs, whatever that means, no knees, with hooves at the bottom. Uh, They look like they're on fire and they're covered in eyes, including on their wings and faces. I have a hard time believing that that's what was on the Ark of the Covenant.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that'd be terrifying.
2: I mean, not only would it be terrifying, but like, I just don't think there's any culture on earth where someone would be like oh and carve some cherubs into that you know what they look like and like that's what they look like you know
1: that's true why would they be so specific about everything else but when you have such a otherworldly and bizarre thing to carve into them yeah you'd really want it would have to be like oh in the style of the holy land meaning without the eyes on the wings <laughs> or whatever you know you have to be specific
2: also like If this were the commonplace image, then Ezekiel wouldn't have to describe them in such detail, right? So there may be a hint about the common uh, image of cherubs, because the second time Ezekiel describes their four faces, Mm -hmm. instead of saying they're human, lion, eagle, and ox, he says they're human, lion, eagle, and cherub. So that may indicate that the cherub, as most people knew it, was some kind of winged ox, and... Certainly other cultures in the region at the time had a lot of winged animal human hybrids mm-hmm. going on in their mythology. Um, you know, your your sphinxes. Sure. Your griffins. Of course. Um, there's a creature called a lamasu, that's a winged lion or ox with a man's head and beard, um, that you always see guarding like Assyrian gates and palaces. And that's right. if you Google Lamasu, you'll definitely be like, Oh, I saw that in my world history book in eighth grade or whatever that's that
1: handsome babylonian monster yes yeah yes he's got sick hat style and
2: quite a glorious beard um and you know as they they're always at like gates and palaces Mm -hmm. really like a lot like the cherubim guarding the you know the ark of the covenant um and so those are specifically called lamassu, but the assyrian word for uh spiritual entities In general, that interface between heaven and earth, you know, somewhat like Malachim, are Karibu, which sounds a lot like Keravim, You know, you can see... It wouldn't be surprising if cherubs were basically uh, Babylonian griffins. Right. Um, And it wouldn't be surprising if they came from an earlier religious tradition that predates Judaism. In fact, that would help explain... Why the cherubim get to be in like the inner sanctum of the temple on mm-hmm. the holiest of holy objects, even though they would seem to violate the second commandment against
1: graven images, right? Like, probably, you, uh, yeah, you would think you would want no images at all, right? Just to be sure.
2: I mean, there's in case a- you
1: accidentally make a graven one, <laughs>
2: right? Well, I mean, they have, um. There's, I think, images of, like, pomegranates and leaves and stuff, like, vines. Motifs. Yeah, but, but like, a golden calf is very, very bad. Right. (laughs) But a golden-winged bull with a human head... It
1: seems like a fine distinction, right?
2: Right. So it would kind of explain why, like, if that just came from an earlier tradition, it was, like, kind of grandfathered in. Interestingly, by the time we get to the Jewish historian Josephus in the first century A.D., he says... No one can know or even conjecture what the cherubim on the Ark looked like. So apparently it was no longer common cultural knowledge by then. That's crazy. Now, when you think of a cherub, mm-hmm. what do you Which think Which I do of?
1: often. Again, only for wholesome reasons.
2: Uh-huh. And what do you think of?
1: Um, I mean, you got to think of that fat little Cupid baby, yeah, right? Yeah, fat
2: little Cupid baby. So... How did Not that? Shaming that baby. How He's did carrying we carrying it well? How did we get from big Sphinx guy
1: mm-hmm.
2: to little Italian baby? Right.
1: It's a good question. Um, so
2: I can tell you if you want.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, that's better than me guessing. I, I
2: mean, you could guess. No, what I'm do you good. guess? Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. I'm good. So they started as Roman Spiritelli. Spiritelli.
1: Yes, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> and, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> we just had. We just <laughs> talked about that, but.
2: Uh, That was like a representation of somebody's soul or spirit. Uh, It had wings because it flies up out of your body when Mm -hmm. you die. And it's young because it's forever young. It's a spirit. It's not physical. It doesn't age. And I guess there was a weird transition period in medieval European art where cherubim were portrayed as just heads with little wings. I guess as kind of visual shorthand for an angel or Uh maybe because they didn't want to draw like the freaky eye guys. I don't know.
1: Eye guys. I like that.
2: And uh, it's like reply guys. The Krasenstein brothers are the original eye guys. Um, So during the Renaissance, those two traditions somehow got merged. And now we think of Cherubim as little cupids. And uh, that also feeds into the more...
1: But how could a baby... Hold up a throne.
2: I know, right? It also feeds into the more modern conception of angels as being like very pure, Mm -hmm. innocent beings. You know, kind of the way we think of children as being innocent rather than disgusting. Like mysterious,
1: unknowable. Grotesque. Beings that just exist and are completely alien to human life.
2: So in Ezekiel's vision, the cherubim are pulling God's throne. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh God's throne is on very trippy uh wheels within wheels right. is the uh, is the famous phrase from Ezekiel and uh I just think they're worth mentioning Th- that's the class of angel known as ofanim, um, that appears in Maimonides hierarchy Ophanim literally just means wheels in modern Hebrew Ophanim means bicycle I'm is the uh, special suffix you use for uh two things it's it's plural for two things. So it translates. to so it's a re- double wheel. Yep. It's a biwheel. It's a bicycle. Ophanim. Bicycle. Yeah. Wow. Um, and in Ezekiel, <laughs> this type of angel is a wheel intersecting a wheel, uh, and it sparkles like topaz, and it has eyes all around the rim.
1: Think about it. Just, just think about it. Just won't think you? about
2: it. I don't want to, and uh, I understand why uh, nobody wants to paint that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really uh, jump off the canvas at you, you know. Like, it doesn't inspire. I think the same way that a, that a human figure would, despite human how blasphemous with, that is. <laughs>
2: with giant wings, you know, mm-hmm. powerful wings. Sure,
1: simply beating the air. Wow, powerfully.
2: <laughs> um. So that's a glimpse at uh, at biblical angels.
1: Merely a glimpse.
2: They're weird. Well, some of them are normal. Some of them are not acceptable.
1: I mean, overall, it's mostly mysterious, right? I mean, like, in the Bible, it's all up for grabs, kind of. Like, I mean, it's just like a bunch of random references thrown together without any common point.
2: It is. Um, which is interesting. I don't know. It makes sense. It's, you know, like, if angels are supposed to be just a, a mediation between you and God because you cannot handle God's actual presence... Then, like, yeah, it's gonna be weird and unexplainable.
1: Yeah. Although people did try, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. Probably, no, <laughs> definitely, after a short break, you're gonna hear some music and we'll be right back. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.
2: Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren.
1: And I'm Nico. And hey, we're talking about angels. <laughs> That's right. It's your friendly friends in the sky. Your buddies. Angels. Anyway, we were talking about seraphim and cherubim.
2: And Ophanim. And
1: Ophanim. Those and are hayot. Those are your boys who live in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But after the Bible, people still had to figure out what angels meant, right? Because like... <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's not explained. They're still a really big deal because people like feel like okay, I'm interacting with something supernatural, or Mm -hmm. something in my life went right in a certain way or wrong in a certain way, and and how did that happen? And angels are a good explanation for that.
1: Absolutely. For example, Mm -hmm. in post-Bible Judaism, Mm -hmm. they came up with all kinds of colorful stories about angels yes
2: all throughout the talmud all throughout the Midrash, Midrash, like everything
1: the targums everything's packed full of angels baby
2: now i you did most of the research in this area but i would like to mention the couple things that i learned uh which are one uh each angel can only perform one task so that's why three angels needed to come down to abraham because like one needed to tell Sarah that she would get pregnant. One needed to, like, I don't know, destroy Sodom or something. And the third one drove. <laughs> the third yeah. one drove. Uh, I also like that uh, the idea that there are infinite angels watching over every natural process. So every blade of grass has an angel assigned to it. And there's just, like, more angels than you can imagine. They're moving the stars. They're moving the animals
1: and birds and such. So, yeah, so those are all a bunch of different but sort of complementary ideas about angels. Yes. At first, people tried to explain angels as like a mythical phenomenon, like looking at the Bible and being like, what kind of beings were they and what was their relationship to God? Because they decided that all these mentions were of the different classes of actual creatures that somebody could see or interact with. But it's very interesting because that discussion was like heated. <laughs> And by that, I mean that like opinion shifted very quickly and there were extreme opinions on a lot of different sides and people people were just coming up with stuff and trying to trying to work something out. It it did gradually coalesce into something pretty, uh, pretty stable.
2: It's weird because like there just isn't much like there is no unified theory in the Bible. So anything that you're arguing about is like coming from your own head.
1: Totally. So even from the very start. In the Bible, one of the things that is argued about and disagreed upon, I would say, okay. is when the angels were created.
2: Oh yes.
1: So, because God doesn't mention creating, God doesn't mention when He wrote the Bible. The Bible doesn't. <laughs>
2: when God transcribed the Torah to Moses.
1: <laughs> in the Bible, it's not mentioned when angels are created, right? But they are around. But they do later, exist right? in the Bible. Yeah. So then the question is. Did they help God make everything? So, for example, were they created on the first day first and then helped him do that kind of stuff? Or is that actually blasphemous because it's splitting up the power of the Godhead into things that are not God? Mm -hmm. So some people thought it was on the first day and that these angels were really helpers and were like imbued with a little sliver of his divine power. Some people believe that it was on the third day and that like he needed them to take over some of the elemental shit that he got put into play you know
2: i also read that some thought it was like on the fifth day with the birds because they have wings (laughs) that's exactly
1: right on the fifth day and so like all of these rabbis were like coming up with these wild theories about when they made angels
2: can i just say this sounds like a really great way to spend your time like what needs my full attention and focus Mm -hmm. is which day angels were created
1: on It's it's mildly important i mean i guess when you put it together with all the, the other Torah study stuff, I guess. I don't know. Again, I think you go crazy if you read the same book too many times. Fair enough. <laughs> I think you start... I mean, to... I
2: think I went crazy just from reading the Bible once, so...
1: <laughs> um, I want to tell you a little story about how this talk about angels sort of expressed itself in, in a way okay. that I think you might find interesting. I'm ready. So there was a group of, of Jews that are called the... The Magharians, Magarians.
2: Magarians?
1: M-A-G-H-A-R-I-A-N-S.
2: No idea what that means.
1: These days they're called the Cave Dwellers. Wow. Because the big cache of writings that we found of theirs was found in a cave, which seems a bit much. I mean, like... Wait, are, are they like Dead Sea Scroll people? Sort of. Sort of? <laughs> I don't think that I don't think they were found in the Dead Sea's okay ca- in those caves okay found in a different, different caves
2: cave. got it they're scrolls that were pretty near the Dead sc- the Dead Sea the Dead Scree as I call it
1: so these cave dwellers
2: okay this was these caved men mm-hmm.
1: these these guys came up in the days that the Pharisees were also around okay so this is like pre Christ but not that much okay so this is like a, a Big time of change in in Judaism.
2: Right, cause like Rome had taken over.
1: Right. One of the one of their real bugbears, one of their pet peeves mm-hmm. was anthropomorphizing God. <laughs> okay. They didn't like that the Bible described God as doing things that were like human actions. You know what I'm saying? Like God came down or God ascended up or God had Black hair and curly hair on his head and stuff like that. Okay. Which is all in the Bible.
2: I don't remember that black hair, curly hair part, but I believe you.
1: That's when uh, what's-his-name looks at, looks at God, but it doesn't get a good glimpse of the face. Oh, yeah.
2: Old what's-his-name. You know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> anyway, for some reason, this was deeply offensive to them.
2: Okay. So... They're, they're going from, like, an emanation type of view.
1: Very much they're, so. The,
2: like, God thinks and his thoughts become forces in the
1: universe. The, well, I think the idea is that God is so powerful and so amazing that anthropomorphizing him is, like, blasphemy. Okay. Like, comparing him to a person, which is obviously, like, a base and worthless thing, is, like, stupid. Okay. And not the point of Judaism, I guess, is what they thought. So, they created this story whereby... In fact, the God in the Bible wasn't actually God. He was an angel. Whoa! In fact, the first and only angel created by the actual God. Whoa! So it's basically like a proto-Gnostic.
2: Okay. So so he like so this angel created the earth, but that's why the earth is imperfect. Sort of, yeah. Okay.
1: And then like all the other angels are just subordinates of him. Okay. Um, but in fact. God never did any of that stuff. He never showed his face to anybody. He never had a conversation with anyone. He never laughed. He never Wild. hardened his heart or whatever like that because he doesn't have a heart.
2: W- was his heart circumcised?
1: <laughs> I mean, I-, I don't think you can... Ask... That's blasphemous. You Even can... just
2: asking if God's heart is circumcised, that would be considered blasphemous. <laughs> can just, you
1: believe it? <laughs> you're just missing the point is the thing. Okay. It's like he does. he's not on the same scale of comparison. <laughs> right. So there was this demiurge type An- of angel yeah, person in between. Got it. And it was in fact so open to like that it was so close to Christianity that the founder of this sect did convert to Christianity hmm. and then converted back. Hmm. Isn't that a weird story? Yes. But that's that's how like fluid the discussion was about angels at the time. Okay. Was that like you could slot them into like whatever kind of theory craft and you were doing about the All Bible. Right.
2: So tell me some Tell me some more angel slots.
1: So there are a bunch of sort of minor angels. Okay. We, like we talked about earlier, most of the named angels that pop up in the Bible are archangels. Yeah. Those which, re- recurring roles. Right. You know, you're real. They're cast members. They're not special guests. <laughs> or maybe they are special guests. I
2: think they're special guests because angels can only do one task. <laughs> so
1: is that according to union rules? Uh, they can yeah. only do one task. <laughs> Um, but there are also a bunch of sort of like mythical angels in Judaism, like sort of folk, folk angels that
2: aren't in the Bible,
1: aren't in the Bible necessarily, um, and don't have the full like archangel status.
2: But they, but they exist in the in the community.
1: Yeah, at least they did. Yeah, when in, a bunch of this stuff was written. Past, yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to run down a list of some of these angels that, that stood out to me among okay. the ones that I found. And All again, right. I have read a bunch of this in the wonderful book about Jewish mythology called Tree of Souls uh, by Howard Schwartz.
2: Yes, amazing book. Uh, if anybody wants a giant tome. encyclopedia of uh, Jewish mythology, it's a really good one.
1: Among other places. So I'm just going to run down some of them. These are the ones that stood out to me. So there's um, Radwariel, the keeper of the book of records. Okay. I mean, it's just like it sounds. He yeah. knows He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake.
2: Does he know if you've been bad or good?
1: Yes, absolutely. Wow. So he's got it all. He simply does. But that's his one task is writing down what everybody does in this giant book. And then at the end of the year. He distributes toys or coal. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> anyway, it, anyway, he compares the record in the book to what you repent for in the new year. I see. You also got Galazur. Galazur. I love this guy. Um, he's in charge of pronouncing God's evil decrees. What? So. God's evil decrees? Yeah. I, that's how it's written about in, wow. in this midrash, but it's like.
2: This is the monotheism
1: problem. Exactly. It's the paradox of evil, or whatever it's called.
2: Yeah, or whatever.
1: It's so hard to square the fact that. You know there is a God and He's all powerful. There's only
2: one God. He's all powerful. He's all good. Yet somehow
1: evil still occurs. Yes. So anyway, you can just outsource that to an angel, baby. Mm. Just let an angel do it. One thing He's also in charge of is the holy charcoal that's used to rebuke angels right. or that's purify the of Right. That's what you distribute at the end of the year. No, 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 no. That's what oh. uh, what's his name God oh Isaiah up with yeah
2: yeah <laughs> they fucked him up.
1: <laughs> I like I like that one very much lord of the rings type and name i appreciate that style
2: yeah could you repeat the name
1: uh galizur.
2: Gal, galizur
1: um there's also an angel which i think still has something of a of a following around um whose name is lila or layla
2: the, the angel Lilith?
1: Of, the angel of conception Whoa. very different okay so this is the angel whose job it is when god decides that there should be a kid okay Bad decision already, but keep going. is tasked with going to the Garden of Eden and finding a soul and then connecting that soul with a sperm.
2: Sperms are angels, as we learned from Maimonides.
1: Well, the force that... uh,
2: Sperms are literally angels. That's what I took from that passage. uh, Yeah,
1: there you go. So anyway, Layla, her job is to shepherd the... the soul to the sperm I see. and then oversee the sperm as it makes the journey into the egg.
2: And the soul is, yeah, the egg is just a receptacle.
1: I guess so, yeah. It, I guess it doesn't
2: the, contribute half the soul.
1: Uh, I don't
2: it doesn't think, contribute actually slightly more than half the soul.
1: I don't think so. I mean, it seems like it's pretty much just all about sperm. Um, cool. She also has a limited role as a guardian angel watching over that that uh, sperm as it grows up into a person good for her next one one of so she's a lady i think that's part very much part of the, the folklore of it because layla i mean like you can't have a lady angel also angels are sexless
2: well they're masculine usually in the bible
1: yeah i guess so i mean
2: i guess the the big i mean the well even the even the freaky eye guys are covering their dicks
1: that's true. They got dicks, and of course, the Watchers came down and took human wives,
2: and and everyone else, like all the the perhaps lower tier angels, appear as men.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't know. I mean, okay. like there's just one there's lady just one. angel. There's just one. Like, it's smurf- like yeah, it's like, it's like, a like the Smurf situation.
2: <laughs> it's kind of messed up. It's like Paw Patrol or something. I don't know.
1: Paw <laughs> <laughs> Patrol. It's like isn't Papa Paw Patrol Troll a man?
2: <laughs> yeah, Papa Smurf. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going.
1: Another one I love here. How about the idea of the angel of friendship?
2: Mm. Uh,
1: This is a weird one because according to rabbinical tradition, Mm -hmm. when two friends meet, an angel is born.
2: Two friends. One angel.
1: And then that angel just lives to sustain that friendship. (laughs) However, if two friends go more than one year between meeting... The angel dies. What? Because the angel of friendship can only live for one year.
2: What if they talk on Facebook? Do they have to meet in person?
1: I don't know. This is, these are really good questions for what your if they rabbi. <laughs> but that's supposedly why if you go longer than one year, when you meet again, you have to give a blessing of mourning. To honor the, the angel. To honor the dead angel. Wow. And just a quick roundup of a couple more angels.
2: Some I love of, angel roundups.
1: Some of these I love because other writings about them are like, yeah, this rabbi just made up this angel. Like uh-huh. nobody nobody really <laughs> knows anything about it. It's just it's just an angel that yeah. this guy made up.
2: Yeah.
1: What about Zadkiel? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Tsadiki of God? <laughs> no, I
1: said that wrong. It's it's Zadkiel, the angel who dresses you when you arrive in heaven.
2: Dresses you like salad dressing with
1: tsatziki? That's right, baby. Delicious delicious cucumber sauce. Great. Uh, is that tzatziki?
2: Uh, it's yogurt sauce, but you put it on cucumbers often.
1: Okay, okay. Cool, cool. No, this one... I'm glad we worked this out. He straps you into, like, your angelic vestments or whatever.
2: Oh, that's cool.
1: Um, And there are some stories about him, and he has a lot of conversations with famous rabbis. <laughs> Thanks. It's a regular chatterbox. <laughs> and to wrap it up, a description of the Angel of Rain from a midrash who resembles an ox whose lip has been split open. Hmm. And that one is apparently in charge of all miracles. I just like to bring that one home because it reminds me so much of what you said about the cherubim being like ox people, you know? Yes. Like the face of the cherub is an ox face.
2: Yeah. Or maybe. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's an ox face. and It's definitely. Yeah. So that's a post-biblical Jewish angels.
1: Yeah. A very brief... Overview. I mean, mostly the thing I want to sort of strike home is after the Bible, talk about angels was in flux. People were just making stuff up.
2: <laughs> and they talked about it all the time. They really did. What's interesting is that you find beings like this in a lot of different cultures that don't have, you know, they, they may not call them angels, but you'll have kind of magical, spiritual creatures that are in some way necessary for you know, the cosmos to operate or for...
1: That's more like Rambam style.
2: Yeah, or for humans to have some way to interact with the divine. in Greece, ironically, these beings were known as daemons, Mm -hmm. like probably actually pronounced demons, but spelled D-A-E-M-O-N-S, like in the Golden Compass. Uh, In Rome, they were called genii, plural of genius. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... When you know when early Christianity started taking over uh, cultures, other cultures, it would subsume these creatures as angels, and then you'd get whatever mythology that culture had overlaid onto Christian angels. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like you know, the archangel Gabriel is real and exists as described in the Bible, and he's obviously uh, an, an emanation like we believed in before we got Christianity. That's right. You know. Yeah. Interestingly, one idea that pops up in all these different cultures is the guardian angel. It's bizarrely common. Like, I think of guardian angels as like these greeting card cartoons, like these insipid, sure. you know, like precious moments bullshit. But the idea is actually really, really old and like, really universal. Um, And it was very common in fact, to believe that you had a good spirit and a bad spirit both assigned to you, just like the little shoulder angel and shoulder devil that you mm, see in cartoons. That I like, know
1: from my cartoons. Yeah.
2: Like, that. those cartoons are tapping into an ancient tradition mm-hmm. that transcends culture.
1: Where the cat chases the mouse.
2: Yes. Um, you know, over the centuries, like you're saying, <laughs> people were just making stuff up, right? So... It would be like, oh, do they only watch over you? Do the guardian angels only watch over you if you're baptized? Um, will they stop guarding you if you're a bad person? Uh, can you, like, perceive them with your senses, or do they just influence your thoughts? You know, um, Pope John the Twenty Third, okay, who was the Pope in the nineteen fifties, talked about how if he had to discuss something with someone he would ask his guardian angel to go talk with their guardian angel Mm -hmm. so that the conversation would go easier.
1: That's a weird thing for a pope to say to me. In the 1950s.
2: As you can imagine, Protestants are less uh, focused on angels than Catholics because Catholicism is basically polytheism. Uh, Carl Jung...
1: You mean Catholicism is more fun?
2: Yes, I do. Carl Jung, of all people, believed he had a spirit guide whom he called Philemon slash Philemon. He probably pronounced it correctly as Philemon, but we're going to say Philemon. So, yeah, guardian angel. Apparently a very ancient
1: tradition. Do you think you have a guardian angel?
2: Me personally? Yeah. No. Okay. That was good improv, right?
1: It was true, (laughs) which means it was good Um, theater.
2: Yes, I believe I have a guardian angel, and I think that guardian angel sends me Soylent every month.
1: After you pay him? Yeah. <laughs> with our shared credit card? Yes.
2: Uh, so now I want to talk about like the...
1: You want to talk about this. You want to talk about that.
2: I want to wrap up this episode with the modern idea of angels. Okay. The, the precious moments bullshit. Sure. Something I think is interesting is that during the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. you'd think that the discussion would be more like... Do angels really exist, or do they not? And in actuality, people just started like using the scientific method to discuss how angels did exist. So it was like, do they have mass? Right. Um, how do they locomote? It's interesting to me that the discussion wasn't, do they really exist? You know, like God is a is a distant clock maker, right? But uh, there but,
1: are millions of angels yeah. flying around us at all times.
2: Yeah, and do they have masks? Can they fit on the head of a pin? Whatever. Yeah, I'm also interested in the clothes that angels wear. Okay. So nowadays we think of the clothes as uh, you know, like a white robe, sure, and a halo.
1: Yeah, maybe a, a with a just a dash of color. You know, maybe a golden belt. Yes.
2: Or... So that's actually that's actually surprisingly biblically based. Um, angels are described as wearing long linen white robes um, with golden girdles, and sometimes they have golden crowns. No, mm. no halos, per se, but mm-hmm. sometimes golden crowns. Um, but of course, you know, if you look at Renaissance art, you see these angels wearing these like very Italian, uh, <laughs> like colorful gowns. And there's also apparently... Oh, and are
1: they ripped? Yeah. Hell
2: yeah, they're ripped. They're ripped. And there's also these... Medieval Islamic representations of angels wearing turbans, wearing colorful robes uh, with multicolored wings. I saw some of these pictures. They're amazing. Um, some of the Renaissance angels have colored wings, too. Mm. Interestingly, multicolored wings. As we were saying earlier, and this goes into your comment about how ripped the Renaissance angels were. Yeah. Uh, they're mostly male. Right. Right. All the Bible's angels are male. All the angels that have names are male. Um, apparently, Lilo got snuck in there somehow. Yeah,
1: I don't know what's up with that. Um, Again, people just desperate for some sort of female presence in the Godhead. Yeah,
2: yeah. People will just be like, well, look, something's got to go in there. Um, they start becoming more feminine in European art in the Middle Ages. And I guess the basic theory is that if. If a culture currently conceives of angels as being really, like hands-on, mm-hmm. then they're more masculine. Hmm. If if your like myths about angels are like, oh, this angel came down and and uh, diverted the river and our crops grew or sure. whatever, it has like,
1: sort of fire situation.
2: Yeah, um, that angel is going to be portrayed as really muscular and and masculine. Uh, but when the angels, yeah Musculine. Musculine. <laughs> What a beautiful word. Um, When angels are conceived of more as like they're in heaven, um, they're more like they're in repose and they're just kind of like contemplating or worshiping. Then uh, they become more feminine looking. However, I don't really like I feel like angels nowadays are like bizarrely feminine.
1: Hmm. I mean, definitely. I think the popular image today of angels is of a very androgynous vibe
2: i like when i was a kid i thought of angels as being girls Hmm. i mean i guess because the robes look like a dress and they're usually portrayed with long hair but maybe the long hair is just like a a leftover from renaissance art yeah i don't know
1: what did your Gallup poll say about that
2: (laughs) if only i had been on the Gallup committee Another part of our popular image of angels now is that when humans die they become angels
1: mm-hmm. um, when in fact only a couple people in history got to become angels yes, only, that's in the Bible only sort two of. Not yeah,
2: really. sort of but not really but sort of only two people have become angels uh, Enoch became Metatron mm-hmm. and Elijah became Sandalphon. that's right and uh, that's because
1: those are the only two that didn't die they got sucked up to heaven yeah
2: they got they ascended.
1: In one case, God sent someone down with his car to go pick him up.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a chariot of fire, but yeah. Uh, The thing is, if you look at actual, like, official Christian theology, I think it's pretty rare to find a denomination that says we literally become angels, Mm -hmm. but the actual theology is usually like, we will just be kind of souls in heaven and we will be like angels and that will be like incorporeal and we'll just be worshiping God 24 seven. Right. Um, and I mean, it,
1: but if, wouldn't it suck to be an angel? Cause then you would have like some tiny narrow yeah. element of the universe that you had to devote your entire existence to maintaining. I mean,
2: the thing is, it seems from a human perspective, mm-hmm. like it would suck to be an angel, but when you're actually an angel, then you're like in pure bliss all the time or whatever. Cause you're always worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so so that the idea that we become like angels definitely has a sure. uh, biblical basis. Jesus We
1: get to hang out with that. angels for sure uh,
2: in that's, heaven. That's not
1: guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Think. No, I mean, we can.
2: Okay. Uh, you heard it here. Uh, officially, according to God, we do get to hang out with angels in heaven. Um, but I think, you know, I think if you ask just like your average Christian uh, who goes to church on Sunday but isn't, you know, digging super deep into, like, historical theology or Sounds whatever. Sounds like a reasonable person. I think that, that some of them would definitely say we become angels after we die. Um, so that's that's angels.
1: Yeah. So we talked a, a little bit about the organization of angels earlier. Uh-huh. And I love Rambam's. I love Dionysius's. But I think it might be time to update the formula a Oh, my bit. God. So I have a new proposed organization of angels. Whoa. Okay. Okay.
2: Ranks of angels according to Nikolas.
1: This is Nico's categorical and tremendous classification of the angels. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. First, we got scary ones. Okay. Lots of wings and eyes. Uh huh. No bodies. I think not Question having. Mark? I think not having a body is scary.
2: <laughs> I do too.
1: More like a monster than a friend. Mm. Okay. Okay. Those are, those are scary, scary ones. Scary ones. Sexy ones, but what? not, but not really. Okay, they look like beautiful androgynous people. Okay, they're cooler than you. True. No anxiety.
2: First of all, all androgynous people are cooler than me. But keep going.
1: They don't have to intervene in human life, but they do.
2: Hmm, that's nice.
1: Amazing hair and teeth. Mm. Okay,
2: this is like the mom friend. This is okay. like a tag yourself.
1: <laughs> okay, they're mysterious ones. Okay, aka particle friends. These angels are behind all the forces in the world. Mm -hmm. They're difficult to see, but my eyes are bad. (laughs) They're moving stars. Possible cause of wind? Mm. (laughs) Are quarks involved here? Don't know. Those are the mysterious ones. Charm. And then finally, the nice ones. These are just friends who help us out and don't make a big show of it. They're working quietly in the background to improve our relationships and growth. Quote, your grandma's favorite angel. That's my proposed classification. Right. I, have, so I have a little append. I have a little addendum here. Oh, wow!
2: Well, already, okay.
1: These things sound like angels, but aren't. Okay. <gasps> There's been a lot of chatter about Alita. She's called a battle angel, but you can't be a battle angel. Because
2: that doesn't fit into any of these categories. Doesn't fit
1: into the categories. Also, it's from comics and not the Bible.
2: Okay, fair.
1: There's the David Boreanaz angel.
2: Mm. That one's real.
1: Surprisingly, to me, actually a vampire. I thought the name was very confusing. <laughs> Although he's both helpful and scary, he hangs dong and so cannot be hanged.
2: <laughs> well, he can if he covers it with his with two of his six wings.
1: He ain't covering it in the show. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, so four four levels. Angel from Rent. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I can't comment except to say that it's probably not an angel because the name is used ironically in fiction.
2: It's That's not true. He's like the purest guy in the entire play.
1: Cool. Well, I mean, he might be. I'm just saying probably not. And finally, Vangelis or Vangelis, Greek composer and electronic musician, <laughs> wrote the scores for Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner. Contains the word angel, so I see why you'd be confused. Helpful to humans in a general way. <laughs> By making cool tunes, but is famously prickly. Angels cannot be prickly; can't be an angel. I hope that cleared some things up for everybody. Yes,
2: um, four four levels in your hierarchy.
1: Yeah, scary, scary sexy, mysterious, aka particle friends, mm-hmm. and the nice ones.
2: And is that going from lowest to highest, or are they all they're all equal? That's just uh, parallel categories.
1: Um. I hadn't organized them by uh, by ranking. I don't feel like that elevates anyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, if you were going to tag yourself, which type of angel would you be?
1: I, you know, I would hope to be a nice one. Mm-hmm. But I think I may be more like a scary one.
2: I think I'm a scary one in that I don't want to have a body.
1: <laughs> You're anti-body?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but pro million eyes. No, I'm really not. I'm actually, that's. Disgusts me. Um, okay, so that's that's angels. Should we... Should Resolved we, it. Should we rate... Another one. Should we rate these androgynous boys?
1: Rate these beasts. How would you rate angels?
2: I'm going to give them... Uh, um, I'll say... 7 out of 11 golden girdles. Okay, why? Um, What I like about them is... I like the folk aspect of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and I like that people came up with weird stories about them. Weird mm-hmm. stories are great. Um I also like, you know, this is something we have mentioned several times. The the kind of like uh only monotheism, monotechnicality mm-hmm. type thing where, you know, you're kinda like, well, I don't want to bother God with this. I'll just, you know, I'll talk to this angel.
1: Uh, the religion expands to fit the shape of the container. Yeah. Where the container is real life.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, how I was raised, it's like there's there's like one supernatural being and mm-hmm. that's God and God solves all problems and you just go directly to God and it's, it's kind of, it's not, you know, it's not relatable. I, it might have been cool to be like, I can't find my car keys. I got to talk to St. Anthony or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as an atheist... I feel like it's really pretty heavy on the like self delusion. Um, where it's just like, ah, oh, the the wind blows, and then you're like, ah, oh, that must be an angel, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, what's that word? Per- periodolia. I should have <laughs> looked that up before I got on the mic. Uh, you know, it, like seeing um, patterns where there aren't any. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just aesthetically at this, like the current... Uh,
1: Angel aesthetic is kind of blown out, is, you think?
2: Is just my mind... A washed, one might recoiled. say. coils <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, little little children in, in robes. Uh, I hate that. Fair I, enough. If angels were still like winged oxes with yeah. human heads, mm-hmm. I'd be more interested... Nice beards. I know you like a nice aesthetic. beard. I do love a beard. Be more interested aesthetically, at least if not theologically. That's fair. Uh, how are you? Uh, how are you going to rate angels?
1: I'm going to give them like eight out of eleven. And sorry, moms, but I'm going to say double dragon dogs. Wow!
2: So sixteen out of twenty-two regular dragon dogs.
1: <laughs> That's right. Okay. But they all only come in pairs, <laughs> as anyone with more than a passing familiarity <laughs> with dragons would know. Um, I also like the folk story side of them. I love to, any of these stories where religion gets into the hands of people and then it instantly expands into craziness. Yeah. Um, and seeing the contrast between what might be considered like a monolithic piece of writing and then seeing how it's actually interpreted and, yeah. and used in the world. I, I like seeing that comparison and angels are, are a, an interesting way to do it, especially because the tradition is still alive and well today uh, among people that believe in kabbalah or
2: i mean even conservative... just 72 percent of americans yeah, I mean, like, like... Uh,
1: uh, americans of a, of a wide variety that's
2: that's it is kind of cool that the tradition is so ancient and universal mm-hmm. and much more so than i than i thought coming into this episode
1: so that's cool um i also it was really fun to read about rambam's ideas about angels being like basically particles you know mm-hmm. that like that idea that there are millions of angels around us at all time and like when the wind blows that's millions of angels and whatever it's like not that far off from like atomic theory or something like that sure molecular theory and that they all have like a are are responding to natural forces which are also God expressing himself through angels or whatever it's 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 very strange but I was like "Hmm, yeah it makes sense you know it's just you take out the angels and it's just a way of looking at the world right yeah I don't know so it was kind of cool but also at the same time, I'm kind of with you about it being a way to refuse to acknowledge, uh,
2: like the real world. The real world. Yeah.
1: Yes. Which I think is something people should at least try to do every once in a while. No it's hard, how. though. You know, it is I, very difficult. I
2: can see just retreating to angels.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I don't know. I don't want to be too judgmental. I mean, angels could be a could be a a good way of explaining things in your life. Help you get through it. And Lord knows we only live once. Anyway, those are my angel scores. Great. Do you want to check the goddamned mailbag? Yes.
2: As we know, this is really a show for delivering curses and blessings to animal pals, a.k.a. animals. And we have some cats to curse, including Elizabeth's cat, Livy. And Grace's cats, Apollo and Artemis. I had a hamster named Artemis mm-hmm. back in the day.
1: Very academic name.
2: Um, I also had a gecko named Nefertiti.
1: Nice. Those are great names, baby.
2: Uh, here's a curse for those cats. They themselves, by their own declension, fell away from the direct leading towards the divine being through self conceit and self will and through their irrational veneration for things which appeared to them worthy of God.
1: Damn those cats fucked up mm-hmm. we also have to bless some dogs specifically grace's dogs freya and pax top there's so many good names on great here. dog names mm-hmm. in this manner may those understand the dark sayings of the prophets who desire to understand them who awoke from the sleep of forgetfulness deliver themselves from the sea of ignorance and raise themselves upward nearer the higher beings
2: beautiful Now, listener Ross has requested a blessing for his cat, Musette, who Mm -hmm. is 20 years old, deaf, and reportedly very sweet. Now, it is against our policy to bless a cat, but in extenuating circumstances such as these, we can deliver a neutral statement. So here is uh, a paraphrase from Josephus. Nobody can tell or even conjecture what was the shape of this cat.
1: It's true today as it was when it was written. But that will do it for our show today. If you want to send us an email containing pictures of your cats or dogs, with the idea that we might, you know, sling a little bless or curse their way, you can do so by emailing us at contact. SundaySchoolDropouts. LOL.
2: That's contact at SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. Don't, do dot com.
1: Don't ever do dot .com. It's bad for you. Don't
2: do dot .com, kids. It's a gateway drug.
1: You can follow the show on Twitter at sun school Drop.
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A as an angel.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Nico Bakulich.
2: N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. Hey, that was a weird one.
1: Sorry about that. <laughs> As always, we want to thank Elise Carleton for our logo and art.
2: And I think Nico for his music, engineering, and editing skills.
1: If you want to be an angel in someone else's life...
2: Mm, like specifically our life? Specifically? Specifically our life.
1: We're Now we're Atlantically.
2: Atlantically
1: our life? What you should do is actually tell your idiot friends to listen to our wow. show. <laughs> if you can't do that... The second best thing you could do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You could be like the wonderful Bride of the house cat,
2: Who said, it's a good podcast and you will probably like it.
1: Damn. Straightforward. True. True AF. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, We've loved having you here to talk about angels with us. Damn. It's been a pleasure. The time has frankly flown by. Wow. Uh, You know, this has been amazing. And, you know, we'll talk to you really soon. Uh, I don't know. I just have a smile on my face. Yeah,
2: well, like, uh, I'll see, we'll see you Sunday.
1: Okay. See you on Sunday. Okay, bye. Bye.